yoga but i'll tell you what for this guest right here we're gonna schedule around that because he's important you know what i'm saying i'm your host dj along with the co-conspirator in positivity in this ufo bigfoot paranormal joint the guy that we're gonna start calling monet nathan because of his artwork what's up brother (laughs) what's going on man how are you (laughs) i'm doing good man amazing night in yoga to get me ready for this i got the sasquatch gift that i showed you guys and uh man the class just gave me so much positivity man i can't I can even... feel it yeah it's coming uh, through love it yeah let's talk to the other member who claims that uh actually she is excited for me to bring my my handmade artisan skincare formula to nyc uh, to give to her, and that is uh, the host of Deb's Data Dojo, a study of UAPs. Deb, how are you, ma'am? I am very happy to be here. Happy Tuesday, everybody. And skincare lotion. <laughs> Since everyone oh, else I'm has sorry. it. I, I'm having, a, like, something's happened. No, it's something just happened to my screen. Like, something popped up. It was weird. I hope that doesn't happen again. I don't know if it's one of the agencies that our guest, our special guest, is going to talk about uh, tonight. <laughs> that is, yeah. But before we do that, uh, uh, we we brought in a reinforcement tonight. Uh, this is an amazing individual, uh, uh, content creator, filmmaker, um, a guy who's really just getting started in the community. To be perfectly honest with you, uh, and uh, also he is the king of Twitter Spaces. So put your hands together for Thug Life. Oh, Tupa Cobbler. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Sam. I love good intro. You're the best at intros, yeah. I gotta be honest. Nobody's better, man. Nobody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, man. It's an honor that you would come on here and join us apropos because of things that are about to go down uh, sure. with our next uh, guest. And uh, and it's just great to have you on again as, as uh, a guest co-host. Uh, we'll, we'll certainly try to leverage that whenever we can because we kind of like you. Uh, glad to be here. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Likewise, you guys are great. This is a good show. Thank you, brother. Uh, hey, see that, Nathan? Validation, baby. All I'm right, uh, this man right here needs no validation whatsoever. All right, so to get this thing together, get the pineapple off your pizza and pit it in the bin, like Gordon Ramsay said. And I'll tell you what. Take that bottle of ranch dressing, put it down, get it out your hands, and put them together. Give up a holla for Red Panda Koala! Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. Excited to ride the yoga energy. Yes. Yay! It's It's all natural. Badass content creator. Ow! Man! Red Panda, what's up, baby? We're going to put you on the big screen so we can see how much you look like Nathan and how much how much better your hair is. Um, yeah, my hair's super messy right now. I love the hair. hair. Goodness. 
Man. No, Nathan has the Heineck look down. I just wanted to say it. <laughs> and I'll yeah, tell you what, there you man. Go. Uh, and when you see my uh, my can of skincare formula, we need that label to be up on this in our in our grouping, Nathan, so you could show mm. up. But basically, it's Nathan's photo. Uh, it's oh, okay. It's so, a product placement, yeah. Nice. Anyway, Model. There it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is. Yeah. And yeah. and there has been no charges yet, but I, I anticipate that's coming in the future. Oh, it is for sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's not doing this for free, Holmes. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> so uh, welcome very much, sir. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, we've been been a fan of yours. Uh, I, I I checked out your your content, and man, yes, yeah, someone said hang high neck doppelganger. That's for real. That's a non et. What's up, Holmes? Um, but anyway, sir. Um, you know when in, when I was taking a look at at what you were doing and the passion that goes into it and the detail that goes into it, I think it would strike anybody as, wow, this is really impressive what this individual uh, was able to put together in the time. Can you speak to me about the genesis of this and sort of what got, where, where does this passion well up from that uh, motivates you to do this? Is it a sighting? Um, please talk us into that. Yeah, uh, fortunately, because I don't really want to have a sighting, I would say. Uh, at least as of right now, I haven't had a sighting, so it wasn't that. But um, originally, uh, I'd wanted to start a Cold War history channel in about 2017 is when I was running this idea. And I was like, because um, I'm really into history, so I guess that's like the like where it all comes from. Um, so I wanted to just do like traditional Cold War history topics, like different coups around the, the world and stuff like that. And then um, and I was like getting everything ready for that, saving up for the computer is when the New York Times article dropped in 2017. So prior to that, I had not really done a deep dive on UFOs. And I had just kind of had like the uh, like the basic uh, like opinion that people have if they haven't really looked into it. Like, oh, I think it's out there, but I don't know, and whatever. So when that happened, I was like, whoa, what is this? And uh, that's when I basically just started like deep diving this subject and realized that there was something to it. And then I was like, oh, well, why don't I just make my um, like Cold War documentary style videos about this instead. Cause um there's a lot of information out there and there's a lot of like great lectures and stuff out there. Um but I kind of uh like I like seeing like archival footage and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So if you watch my videos and stuff. So I was like, oh this works perfectly. And even the whole Cold War aspect, it kind of still fits anyways because like I feel like the whole like post 47 UFO mythos is like the Cold War is a definite backdrop of it all. So Kind of worked out perfectly. How so? How so? Um, well, one, the whole Robertson panel was uh, their their claimed um, reasoning for like wanting to debunk UFOs amongst the American people was because of um, they were afraid that the Soviet Union would harness UFO reports and like cause a, a mass panic, and that would be used as a weapon of the Cold War. Um, and then a lot of the the mechanisms used to like keep down this information was kind of you was created in a cold war context like the cia and stuff like that um some of their um their contacts and the media and stuff like that all kind of stemmed in this whole uh, post-world war ii like we have to beat the soviets we have to do whatever it takes kind of mentality and like secrecy and stuff like that so yeah man that that's a that's a, i could dive back in but you know what nathan take it away brother 
Well, yeah, there's a lot of unraveling that, uh, you know, we kind of have to do today when it comes to the UFO topic in light of what happened in the past. And, and looking at your documentaries, that's really evident to me that we're still kind of dealing with the downstream effects of all of those things that preceded us. So what are some things that have really jumped out to you, not only about, I guess, the secrecy of the UFO topic, but also maybe that the history in general, like I'm sure you're still interested in the Cold War. I'm sure you're still interested in other parts of history. So what, what aspects of studying UFOs maybe have shed light on other areas of history that, that you're also interested in? Um, hmm. I guess like it is kind of interesting how like a lot of these threads like kind of tie into each other and like names that are familiar in other arenas are familiar here. Um, or like, yeah, it gets like whenever like Rockefeller's name comes up in a UFO, when I'm researching UFOs or stuff like that, these names just appear. Um, yeah, I guess I would say like that, just learning about different things like through there. And then, yeah, there's like, I don't know, there's just a lot of stuff where like, for example, like my Brazil videos, um, the the relationship between Brazil and America was kind of like, uh, for the Colaris wave in like 1977, that Cold War relationship was kind of prevalent. And there seemed to have been like American boots on the ground there. So I don't know, it just ties into a bunch of different things that I find interesting. Right. There seems to be a like a high degree of entanglement uh, with this topic and big events that have happened in history, you know, kind of broadly. Was that, would you say that's safe to say? Yeah, I would say so. And and kind of just this whole kind of like, quote unquote, like elite power structure knowledge kind of um, these these webs kind of like tie in together and stuff like that. Or like another example is like, uh, I'm surprised like how many presidents like come up in like random UFO history, like before they were president and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, I just posted a picture where uh, Edward Condon, who did the Condon committee, um, he was accused of being a communist during the McCarthy era. And he was actually interviewed by like Richard Nixon. So I was like, oh, that's, there's all these like random little like things like that, that pop up that I'm just like, oh, interesting. Yeah, or that, um, another one is, oh. Well, I was gonna say, I was echoing what you said that jumped out to me as well. Like I think you mentioned Johnson and Ford and Nixon. I mean, I knew about Ford, but I did not know about the Johnson and Nixon intersections there. That was really fascinating. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was actually about to just say too, is that like Lyndon Johnson, like, um, Leveland was a pretty big um, flap, I would say. There's like over the course of the Blue Book era, there's some pretty big flaps. There's the 47 wave, there's the 52 wave, which like culminated with the DC flyover. And then like the 66 wave in Michigan was pretty um, significant, like historically. But then in 57, there was a wave in Leveland that I also think is pretty much, it's about like a 1966 level of significance. And Lyndon Johnson was the congressman or the senator for Texas. So his constituents were pretty upset with the Air Force explanation because this was a case where uh, I think like multiple police officers claimed that their car was, it was a case where like the light flew over, our radio started acting weird, the car shuts down and like we woke up a few hours later. And so he had, um, Lyndon Johnson basically like was talking to Blue Book people during this time and like in the Blue Book records and in the archives, you can see like letters between like uh, Lyndon Johnson, who was then a, a senator. And then even now for my current video that I'm working on, which is kind of like the end of like the Blue Book era, it covers like Condon and stuff like that. This is when Lyndon is now president. And I didn't know that uh, James McDonald and J. Allen Hynek both lobbied Lyndon Johnson personally to like um, address some of the issues that were arising with the Condon committee. And I just found that really interesting. And like, uh, like Lyndon Johnson even said James McDonald's name and like 
like was was adamant like just to get James McDonald off my back because he knew because uh, James McDonald was being just so like um, active with his advocacy. So it's like, oh, I never even would have thought that Lyndon Johnson knew who James McDonald was, let alone was like talking to him. So yeah. stuff like that. Just absolutely fascinating. Well, I, I mean, your your passion for this is evident, right? I think all of us in leading up to this interview, we just kind of geeked out a lot and how much that comes through in your projects. And that's clear in the community as well. There's a lot of interest in what, what you're putting together. And it's, you know, somebody that can do what you're doing isn't doing it just robotically. You know, there's a lot of love in your projects. And I really appreciate that and, and looking forward to having further discussion about it tonight. But uh, Deb, I know you've got some questions. She's, she's been itching to talk to you. So I'm going to get out of the way and let, let her go. And thank you for yeah. those uh, nice words, Nathan. Oh, sure. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you put things together in a way that's really comprehensible for people. And also you just find like hidden gems everywhere, which of course, like I would love to spend the time just to pick your brain on that. Like, where are you finding all that? But, <laughs> but um, what I'd really like to talk about is, at some point, if I recall, you had a video about China and UFOs and their international conferences, um, which includes U.S. citizens coming over to talk to China about UFOs. Is that what happened to that video? I have not been able to find it. Oh, it's still up. It's called it's the United Nations one. I was thinking oh, of okay. um, a lot of them. I think I'm going to redo like eventually. Hmm. Uh, hopefully I get to a point where I could like do this full time and then I could go back and redo some of those ones. But um, it's like in part two of the United Nations one. And I was thinking of maybe like cutting out the first part and redoing the United Nations thing. So that would be just a standalone China one. But yeah, that was a really interesting little um, chapter in history that doesn't like even in the UFO community wasn't really uh, talked about a lot. So basically, I'll just explain it for the audience and stuff. Um, this was after 2017. I think this was like 2018 or 2019. Um, China had like through... Uh, they basically had like sent out these invitations to like a bunch of elite UFO researchers all around the world. And um, it's important to note too, that China has like, they have like a, they have like active UFO communities and stuff like that. And um, research organizations like civilian, which is important. What I say in the video too, it's important to note, like you can't just have any club there. You know what I mean? Especially something like this, that kind of has like a supernatural element, if you will. Um, so just that alone was like interesting to learn about, but then yeah, in like 2017 or 2018, through the city, I think was like Chongqing or something like that with government funds. They hosted a UFO conference in Russia. And basically they invited all these UFO researchers from all over the world, like Peru, Chile, Argentina, America, obviously. And um, James Fox was there, I think. And so was, uh, I want to say Donald Schmidt. And that, that would be interesting questions to ask them about. Uh, I feel like I haven't really seen anyone ask them about that because you see them, you see them on their trip and like, all their pictures, they have like, you could see their like Chinese security guard escorts were, were there for it. Um, and then, so it seemed like what they wanted to do too, and the reason I tied that into the general United Nations video was they had stated their goal was they wanted to bring it to the United Nations and like create an organization there that, they, that would be like an international effort. And then that's basically where that video ended. And then COVID happened. And apparently, according to some of the people who were involved with that, COVID kind of... Um, hurt some of those efforts, I guess. But then a lot of that crew actually is who you see in the whole San Marino thing that's happening right now. Uh, they, it looks like they kind of like decided to continue with it um, without China and just, yeah, doing the San Marino route. Cause it's a lot of the same, like Gary Heseltine from the UK and stuff like that. Well, I, honestly, I was worried that they were oppressing that video or something or oh, <laughs> yeah. like that's what I was, I couldn't find it again. And I had told people, 
for a while that there was a lot of evidence of China's interest in UFOs. So like that was a great video to sh highlight that. So I kept trying to find it again. I'm like, where is it? <laughs> yeah, I, and I'm always messing with my thumbnails and stuff like that too. So that's probably why. But yeah, I should maybe emphasize it more that this is the Chinese one because I just have it as a general United Nations uh, disclosure stuff. I, I actually started a Chinese uh, UFO support group on Facebook called Who Is She? But I spelled it X-I. And strangely oh. enough, it didn't resonate with the Chinese public. I don't, oh. I don't know why. Next so. time, yeah. Anyway, uh, we're really? going to pass it on to our brother, <laughs> Sam. <laughs> to Great segue. Again, you got the best segues. What's up, Brad? How you doing, man? Yo, what's up, Tupa? Me and Tupa go way Dude. back. At least for like you internet do. UFO stuff, yeah. Yeah, for internet. <laughs> it's, it's, been a, it's been a wild ride. I mean, speaking of that, you're not. it doesn't seem like you're running out of any uh, sources of content here. Uh, as far as the phenomenon, the mystery go, I mean, that's my question. Are you seeing it explode into more and more questions? The more answers you find, uh, the more rabbit holes you find, it almost seems endless. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Well, I was just saying, I'm sure you can all relate. The For sure. <laughs> we uh, can relate to that. It's endless, uh, it's endless rabbit holes, depending on what your focus is. I mean, you seem to find a focus with, like, I guess a lot more of the factual analytical stuff but it didn't scare you from getting into like, I guess a little bit more of the woo stuff, like with the, the Ninel, the Soviet telekinesis stuff, right? Like you really went all in on those and it turned it from a kind of a fringe loose connection. And I think you helped a lot of people, the viewers of the video at least, right? Uh, blend these together in a cohesive way. Um, how much responsibility as a content creator do we have to like frame that a little bit for the audiences or are we just letting them explore as we explore? That's a good question. Yeah, I think, uh... I don't know. I always feel, I feel like there's a lot of responsibility and like, um, I, uh, I don't know, like I, I almost want to put a disclaimer, I think on my channel or something like, I don't want to be responsible for anyone's like belief system or anything. Like this is like, I'm just finding information. And I think in the Nino Kulagino one, I, I did a little disclaimer at the beginning too. Like, I don't even know if this is real or disinfo or what, but this is the information I could find about her. And the Soviet Union actually did study this. Um, and they made these claims. So it could all be disinfo. Or maybe not. Maybe it also is a, a, a subject like UFOs where it was publicly ridiculed, but behind the scenes, all the big governments are researching it, including China. I, I just found a, it's fun when I find archival footage. I just found a bunch of footage about like some of the old Chinese things in the 80s when they were even looking into like telekinesis publicly and stuff like that. So, but yeah, back to the whole like responsibility. Yeah, I guess I feel like there's a lot of responsibility because a lot of, because also too, when I first got into the subject, it was such a like uh, mind or like you know what i mean like it just changes your whole perspective kind of like yeah i was kind of like um going through i wouldn't say it like i was depressed or anything but it was definitely like my whole mind was just like what the heck is it like what even is anything then because i thought the governments were totally honest about this and if they're lying about this who knows what else they're lying about and stuff like that so i think for people who are in subjects like this or like things that like behind the veil type things yeah there's a lot of responsibility because like who knows how people are going to react to it or how they're going to feel and stuff like that that's a really good point. I mean, you're, 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 the viewer gets kind of shaken up, not like emotionally, but like, you know, just kind of rattled. And then like, what, you know, what did I just see? Like this was presented in such a, a way that I understand now, right? I've heard about this stuff for a while, but now I'm kind of connecting the dots. And the great thing about a YouTube channel is you can just keep going through and clicking and watching, um, which is amazing, right? And you provide so much for the viewer, so much uh, there, so much meat on the bones. 
and it's it's just really cool but you're right like as people start to engage with new information they don't really know how to categorize it and where to put it and i've seen you know it can shake it could shake all of us up depending on how deep you want to go into it so yeah i think i think that's a good answer man thank you thanks tipa yeah you, yep. you do have an effect man i mean because like for example for me you know the the heroic way in which he represented himself and you accurately portrayed gerald ford and me looking for a new truck to tow my motorcycle i was like well i mean this is a natural fit that guy was kind of heroic in terms of ufos uh red panda koala highlighted that i should buy a ford nathan right so if you get a screaming deal yeah absolutely yeah it's already had an effect on my life i already ruled out gmc and chevy due to rpk that's what's mm -hmm. up there you go interesting oh yeah thanks well (laughs) yeah thank you he's an influencer what can we say i'll let him know when i need an oil change but in any case um (laughs) <laughs> he's an influencer. Yeah, exactly. He's a real influencer, like for real. Um, well, because also too to that though, like I also don't know where this goes, and like, what if it's like actually not good? You know what I mean? Like, what if it's bad? And I don't know. In There's terms of, in terms of disclosure and and the reality, the what? Yeah. Okay. Like, what's actually going on here with these things? What are they? How interested are they in us? What have they done to us? You know? Have you well, considered I, a not good scenario? Like, what is a not good scenario to you? Um, That's I would say like a not good scenario is like if like it's confirmed <laughs> that like X percent of the population gets taken regularly, or it's confirmed that like X percent of the missing people that never come that are never found is because of this or something like that. Oh yeah, that'd be pretty bad. I mean, not to get like crazy political or anything, but like look at the way um society reacted to like the oh, pandemic and whatnot, and like yeah. uh, what if like there's a higher mortality rate for UFOs or something like that. I don't know. We, we have discussed that at length on this show and that exactly what, what Sam asked you is exactly what I was going to ask you is it, but, but I can actually expound upon it a little bit um, based on people that are in the know. So you've actually reshaped my question with the, with that answer. I'm not going to ask the question that I was going to ask, but I'll get to that later. But we spoke with uh, Lou Elizondo we spoke with um, Jim Semivan. We spoke with Richard Doty, all of whom have been read in uh, at, to certain levels and certain programs, and all of them not the same program, ironically. Um, and they expressed concern. Uh, Rick Doty said, I've seen things that scared me. Lou said, what if, um, what if everything that you were taught growing up you found out wasn't true? Everything, your pastor, your teacher, your mom, your dad, I mean, those are all the most, you know, formative people, Nathan, uh, all the most formative people in our lives. Um, and, uh, I think Jim Semivan said, do you really want to, you know, I said this to Tom DeLong, do you really want to open this up and scare people? So could you, could you fathom a guess? And I'll tell you what we've thought about on this show, but, and then, and then if it resonates with you or something totally different, um, what if there is a statistic or number associated with people that they suspect have been taken and not come back or, and they know what that they suspect that number is to their knowledge. And we have absolutely, I couldn't even, I couldn't even guess what that number would be if, if that is a number, but is that something that you think it could be or something else? Uh, but potentially, yeah. Like, and especially this is just, hypothesizing right just thinking out loud or stuff but yeah i do think maybe 
maybe there's something like that um, going on. And I think it was on your show, right, where Jim Semivan said that super uh, Doomer quote, right? He was like, oh, well, I'm not going to tell my 12-year-old or my friend's 12-year-old yes. daughter about, yeah. Um, yeah, I know. And uh, something I like to think about, too, a lot is like, uh, what would the truth have to be for you to, like, condone the cover-up and, like, actively, like, like, I think I think people have been murdered over this in history for sure. Even some even some recent things, right? Didn't Mellon say, and not, that wasn't technically a murder, right? But he had said recently that he was supposed to talk to someone and they had a heart attack like two weeks before, which is something that comes up a lot when researching UFOs, a lot of heart attacks and strokes. Some airplane like, crashes. Yeah. So it's like, what would it have to be to make people like condone this, right? Because even, even in my current video, I kind of talk about Carl Sagan and like, you could tell that dude loved science and I do think, and people have argued and I, I kind of present some information on it. I'm not saying for sure that he was like read in and like actively downplaying it in science, but like what would make people like that who like love science and love truth, like actively go to the public and like lie to them. So, or like great, for 20 years, you know what I mean? That's a great line of thinking and a line of questioning. Like you got to really put yourself in a position uh, if you assume, okay, there was a conspiracy to hide this, uh, what would have motivated them? What's an excusable reason where you could be like, okay, instead of them being some weird smoking man from a TV show, like a caricature of somebody, if I was in that situation, what would make me go, you know what? Exactly. I'm not saying nothing to nobody. Um, I I've hypothesized what those things could be, right? And to me, it seems like uh, it hints to a danger within all of us that, you know, it's it's not just the awareness of something, but the potential um, to engage with something if you know about it. And that could be very dangerous. It seems like, you know what I mean? A little bit in that, in that direction. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. And it, it does seem like that kind of right. Uh, and like when looking at cattle mutilation, stuff like that, and it's not confirmed, right. That it's UFOs, but what if that same thing happens to humans? And, and like, we were talking about like the missing people number and stuff like that. Missing 411 um, stuff. Yeah. Missing 411. Exactly. What if it's all just kind of different branches of the same tree? Yeah, I, I had to I had to follow to it, but I can't hog up my man RP to the K, so I gotta go back to the money. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a lot of other kind of avenues to chase here. Um, <laughs> big time. We're uh, opening uh, it up now, uh, man. <laughs> there, yeah, I mean, which is great. There's I mean, and everybody on this panel has some, you know, good thoughts to add to this. So you know, to me this uh, I can relate to your kind of story and approach because I'm not an experiencer. You know, the subject is fascinating to me. Um, I try to have some degree of neutrality, but I also try to take people at their word. Um, it, you know, it fascinates me because it, it concerns matters of ultimate reality, you know, ultimate importance, um, the nature of reality itself. Uh, I do think that there, you know, the, the, the secrecy, the cover up, there are some very rational explanations for that, uh, that I think for those who may have been closest to whatever it was at the time, looking at the situation, looking at where the world was and the, the geopolitics mm -hmm. at the time, probably just did some, you know, easy math there. We're like, hey, this isn't this isn't a good thing for us to disclose right now. Um, and then you think about maybe the the kind of circles that they kept and how tightly they kept them. And that that way of thinking maybe just sort of perpetuated in those tight circles decade after decade. And here we are. Right. So you have um I like to say you have legacy thinking and legacy programs, right? So um, I don't know what you think about that as of your analysis on it. Like it, it, it seems like we're having to kind of unpack some real antiquated ways of looking at this 
On the other hand, maybe it's still the right call to keep this under wraps. Yeah, I would agree with that. It seems like uh, early on there were these kind of like really hard, at least from what the documents that we have available now, right? It seems like there's a uh, there's like these really hard measures put in place, like uh, like for example, like Janep one four six, which was put in place so that um, military and commercial pilots wouldn't report UFO sightings or they would be faced with a fine or imprisonment under the Espionage Act, and like that was put in place and you don't really hear it talked about much, but then like over time, just that culture persisted even after the close of Blue Book, which was in like 1969, 1970, which would have been like 15 years after Jan F-146, that culture that was um, cultivated in that whole Blue Book era just persisted beyond Blue Book to where pilots and stuff wouldn't report um, their sightings and there was this stigma attached to everything. Um, so yeah, just kind of, and there were there was a lot of efforts during the years too, and it's cool. My my current video, I wish I would have had it done in time for this interview, but uh, it kind of covers like the end of Blue Book, Condon, and then kind of just ties in over the years of how like I found I was able to find like clips from like every five or six years of like when the military would be asked, and they would just kind of defer back to the Blue Book Condon report line of like we actively searched for this and we couldn't find anything, and it's just like you could just hear it like each time over the years, like they're literally just repeating the same line. And, you know, like that person probably hasn't like looked into it themselves. They're just being told what to say. But yeah, it's just the weird the way these things that kind of just like happen and are like so active, like just over time develop into this entire culture we see today. Yeah, we got a question. You want to you want to address that? So you put it up twice. So you want to. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I was going to try to copy it for later on at, at the end of the show. But yeah, uh, if you'd like to address this now, um, if you would, please question, given the chance. How would you use alien technology for good and prevent it from being appropriated by the military industrial complex's threat narrative? Mm, I don't know. I, I don't know how I could do anything to affect the government, but uh, no, I you, guess if, if you, you had the power, you have the, some, you have that, the one that Harry Potter had, the one that had the, you know, I guess some people say that like um, they've been healed from UFO stuff. So maybe if we were somehow able to harness that technology and like heal people of, whatever ailments they might have, that would be a good way to use it. But, but yeah, that's, I feel like uh, governments all over the world are trying to get this for like military purposes and nefarious purposes and stuff like that. So. Well, Nathan can heal. I mean, go ahead, Nathan, do the, you know, uh, anytime. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I mean, right. I think uh, like the biggest fixation seems to be on the energy uh, potential uh, of, of the technology and obviously anything that, uh, can you can utilize kind of free energy? You can utilize that for for good or for for bad purposes. Um, but I guess the five observables are also uh, highly you know sought after pieces of technology from a military standpoint. Uh, given the dynamics that are in the world, I, I mean, it, it, the power clearly rests within the states right now in terms of uh, the, the power of of the gun, if you will. Um, I don't really see them giving that up. I don't really see them, you know, handing that over. So if if they're close to any of these kind of breakthroughs, like I, I really doubt they're going to be like, hey, we've got this. And uh, here you go, science, like, you know, go go to town and play with it. It'd be like, hey, we've uh, we've got a 3D printing bioweapon factory and we're just going to like put the plans on the Internet. You know, like it just it would be irresponsible, I think, of them to do so. But uh, what well, you know, so <laughs> what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I think it's a. Uh... Like I, the more I learn about, the more I'm, I'm like surprised that they even like came out with it in 2017. Like, uh, 
it kind of seems like it would just be in their best interest to keep it going. But yeah, I don't know. I think um, my theory is one of my running theories of why they did it now is because of like phones and technology and like the way smartphones have like um, changed the way that people share and get information. Like how much of the stuff you've learned about UFOs came from like smartphone, like, you know what I mean? Kind of situation or just the fact that everyone's connected to the internet, all these documents we can look up online. So maybe they were trying to get ahead of that. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, well, no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm Deb. I'm about to pass it to you, but I think a couple of points from what you just talked about. So, one, I think just the, the point you just made, narrative control is way harder now. So, your, your videos highlight that in the '50s, for example, it was really easy just to have a partnership with a news outlet, and they had access to inside sources. And they just kind of put out whatever those sources would tell them to put out. They also basically gave them a seat at the writer's table and they could make dramatic edits to scripts, not only for news shows, but also fictional shows to spin narratives yeah. in certain directions. So that kind of, uh, you know, hand on the knob there just to like dial it whatever direction you want. Like that doesn't it, it still exists. I think that's un, uh, there's no dispute about that, but it's harder to have a consistent narrative across all of these different platforms. Not impossible, but it's a lot harder. Nathan, um, Nathan, I just want to say at least 50% of America wouldn't trust whatever that outlet was. Well, right. Yeah, at least. Now we, exactly. We have an erosion of trust in these institutions. And that then leads to the other thing I was going to point out, which is the sort of highly factional nature of, of society, as well as how that is mirrored in this internal debate like disclose what, what it is, whereas keep it secret, right? So the, the, like no one is on the same page here, mm -hmm. even people who are closest to whatever this might be. And that says a lot. It's not, this isn't a black and white, at least it seems to be. This is not a black and white issue where it's like, oh, you know, this is a clear benefit to society, so we should do this. I, it doesn't seem to be that clear cut to me. Yeah, totally agree. And it's like the whole way back, you kind of see that, like even with Project Sign, like the first, uh, one of the first ones, Project Twinkle and Project Sign were kind of like around the same time. But uh, you see this like internal division and kind of like what we're seeing right now. It doesn't seem like a pre-planned rollout, but more of like an internal division between the, the powers that be that have this knowledge trying to get it out. And um, I think you see that the whole way through. And it, it even seems like even after Blue Book, there was a few times uh, people say that uh, that one Emmenegger documentary was them where like they're, they were kind of like they would get close to releasing some info and then they would pull back the tape that they promised and there's this like push and pull like the entire time of like, what do we let people know? How do we address this? So yeah, it's a interesting point. I, I was going to say, I find this interesting because it really leads to the question that I have. Um, so what you do often is you do these updates about what's going on with UFO disclosure um, and it seems like we had been making a lot of progress and all of a sudden we get misinformation from the media about a report that supposedly got handed to Congress, but we're finding out that was false. No report has been handed over yet. Um, we're still waiting on that report. So if any law lawmakers want to get on that, you know, we've been, mm -hmm. we've been sitting here waiting now for <laughs> quite some time. Uh, Calling kind of, all lawmakers. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And so, like, what do you think is going to happen the next time you sit down to do that update? Do you think that, you know, you're going to have something or do you think that we're in some kind of weird stalemate that we're not seeing? I do think it's kind of in a stalemate and I do think it's kind of at a point, too, where, like, 
I think at any point during this time, they could have walked it back. So that's still very much on the table. Like, they could totally walk this back and then maybe try again in, like, 20 years. But I do think what's different this time around than, like, the past is just, like, the amount of politicians who have spoken on this. And, like, these are, like, politicians who have, like, millions of dollars of, like, billionaire people we never hear about invested in their campaigns and basically, like, how they run the country. So I do think that is interesting. And then we are seeing, like, some more billionaires being... Um, interested in this subject which I do think like money just kind of runs the world uh so like that interest I think could like obviously I'm hopeful right we all want this information out so it could be like be openly studied and like we could actually learn about what it is so maybe I do have rosy uh colored glasses or whatever but I do think just there's so much out now that it would kind of be hard for them to walk it back and like there's the China initiative we saw the Brazil hearings there was a uh, Japan updated their um reporting procedures so i do i don't know i'm hopeful but who knows yeah the report right we wish it would have been out poor uh was dan right on tiktok like with his every day after the report thing poor guy um, oh yeah <laughs> i don't know if he knew how many little marks he was dude is he okay the iran hostage i just want to say real 247 since the report was supposed to be out. I- I would just wanted to say I would love to see a Red Panda documentary about all the rich people involved in the UFO topic because there are quite a lot and it goes way back. <laughs> yeah, way back, like Rockefeller stuff and even like Mellon. What I learned recently was that uh, Mellon's family is really influential in the whole Esalon Institute thing. So it's like, whoa. Or uh, I also learned recently that was a fun little tidbit. It was like a Rockefeller and Ford funded. Um, this was before he was an admiral, Richard Byrd. He was like one of the first people to fly over the Arctic or Antarctic or something like that. And that was like funded by Rockefeller and Rockefeller also funded Esalen Institute. And yeah, there's a lot of like weird big money that comes up all the time in this subject. If Ford was involved in that, I'm going to cancel that order and go with Dodge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if there was any, you can attribute any of this nefariousness. Right. And it makes you think like, well, why were they all like, you know what I mean? What? Yeah. It just, it gets really weird. Right. Really fast. But you know what's uh, what, what's not weird is uh, Sam Tupacabra. True. Uh, Red, I'm curious. Are you ever going to do a video on Havana Syndrome? Or do you find it relevant to the topic at all? And what are your thoughts on it as a whole? I do find it relevant to the topic. I personally think it's connected in some way. Uh, like, there's really no, like, concrete proof right I have for that. It's just, like, a hunch feeling. But uh, th- to be honest, that's one of the ones where, like, I'm kind of nervous about. Like, uh, I feel like if I if I made it, I don't know. I feel like... Because, like, some of these things, right, are so active and so, like, right now still happening. Like, I don't know, not to be, like, crazy or anything, but I do think, like, like people who have, like, voices or whatever in this space, you know, sometimes if you get on, like, on a, a trail that's, like, too hot, like, it could get bad for you in real life. And that's one of those yeah. ones where it's, like, I don't know if I would want to go and make that. Because it, it is interesting, right? And there's, like, some of those reports are super crazy, like, uh, the kids, kids, like, being covered in blood at like 3 a.m. and like moving in unison like sounds like some yeah. possession stuff not even like a, a, a electronic weapon or something but uh yeah that's like worst case scenario that case always bums me out the, yeah that one's like well i mean the weird thing too is that it's um brought up you know it was brought up initially in those uh in the cohort of those brain scans for the cotipotamin or basal ganglia research mm-hmm. and then the, the conversation that those things were similar but easily to, easy to separate but still indicated a similar thing. And so I guess that leads me to like, 
the conscious connection to the phenomena. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, could that be the link between Havana and this stuff? Yeah, I think so, potentially. I mean, like, consciousness comes up a lot. People talk about it all the time. Like, Valet talks about it. DeLong's talked about it. Elizondo. Right. And, like, I don't know. There's, like, some people who, like, vouch for that, like, CE5 or some, like, you'll hear plenty of stories of people being, like, I, I said mentally I wanted to see a UFO, and then I saw it, and, like, that was the first time I ever saw it, and, like, other people saw it, too. So there does seem to be this kind of, like, interface that whatever it is has with our brains or consciousness or whatever. But... Then again, like, I don't really know for sure. So I guess, yeah, the main goal is just so we could get this out in the open and we could all study it. But uh, to Havana syndrome, I think part of me even thinks so too. Cause, okay, so in my, cause I kind of have like a rough draft for Havana syndrome. I was gonna do like history of like psychotronic weapons and then a history of like remote viewing and then like the the positive or like the um, attacking aspects of remote viewing, like not just like, getting information but like using like that kind of same astral projection thing or whatever as an attack and there was this really interesting uh case i'll uh i'll see if i could post it on this video when it when it uh posts but uh some russian general guy he was like a kgb guy who defected and is now over here he was saying that like during the whole fall of the soviet union he had gotten a call from one of his associates saying that like he was under remote view attack or something like that and he needs to get somewhere so that was one case where I was like, whoa, that is interesting. Like, uh, this guy's, and it could all be disinfo, right? But uh, this guy's a pretty high up level person. And he was saying that, like, he was told this. So uh, who knows? So then, and then, yeah, I do think it also could be UFOs too, because uh, who knows? Those are my, those are my three main ones hey. I got right now. The psychotronic, the attack remote viewing thing, and then the um, UFO. Because I also think too, like, what if like uh, China's all into like gene editing and stuff like that? What if they already knew about that? Right at Panama like in the 80s and they've just been underground making super soldiers for like decades now you know <laughs> I love that uh I actually had this uh a guy named UFO bro on Twitter so I want to throw this hypothesis he said that this was clearly an attempt by the Cuban government a duplicitous attempt to uh to basically inspire people to drink more Cuban rum and smoke more cigars to stimulate the economy and that's the hypothesis I heard. I figured it was true. Maybe, maybe, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I'm, just kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, the it's one the the thing we're talking about. Great cigars. Yeah. Wait, he's going to entertain really that one. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. There's another weird one where they said it happened on like the White House lawn. So that one is a, or like at the White House. So that one is another. There's these ones, right, where it's like, okay, the Cuban one, that could totally kind of seem like it could be psychotronic weapons, like someone in an actual van, like outside or something. But then like the White House lawn one is like, oh, how did that happen? Or like, yeah, the one with the kids like moving in unison. Like, what the heck is that? Well, and whose kid wasn't it? A the children of like an ambassador or something. Uh, yeah, and I think they of... weren't even like. I think it was like a hitchhiker situation too. Where it's like the the family wasn't really deployed with them. It was like after they came back. I could be wrong, but uh, yeah. I mean, it would seem like, and we don't have to keep going. We don't have to hammer this home, but it really feels like the people who were being targeted were foreign diplomats and foreign people who had influence. And, you know, I've come across things, people have been in my spaces explaining programs where, you know, the idea is to insert ideas into people's minds, like through hardware and all kinds of weird stuff. So it's, it seems like that would be the target if a foreign agency wanted to implant ideas or use this technology to stimulate uh, feelings towards one way or the other way about something, that would be where they would do it. Um, and the rumor is that they've caused like serious damage, permanent damage in some cases, yeah. maybe even death 
and trying to attempt this kind of stuff. But, you know, could that be um, recovered technology and reverse engineered stuff? I don't know. But, you know, when it comes down to valets, like uh, reality is negotiable, perhaps it, it seems like, you know. <laughs> <I love> that <laughs> one. <laughs> Valet with the Everything's on the table, flow. baby. Reality is negotiable. <laughs> That's fire. All right. So I've got one for you here, RP to the K. Um, so full disclosure, um, obviously, uh, you've taken aim at the Air Force, and rightly so. There's been a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, things that they've frankly done that I don't agree with that they shouldn't do. But I have been part of the air force in one form or another for the better part of 31 years. So, uh, including today. So <laughs> I gotta be straight about that. But, um, I, I would ask you about, you know, like if we take the IPCC, you know, the international panel on climate change, we've got about a little over 190 nations that are involved in that. Um, let's just say, you know, on average, let's say we have a hundred of them that have UFO programs of some sort. I mean, they're collecting data. They have a, a vault of data that they've collected, even if they don't have, obviously they all don't have reverse engineering more than likely, but who knows how many of them do. We wouldn't know that. We could, we could never know that. Uh, well, we could know it, but we don't know it. Um, do you, is it incumbent upon those countries to speak about what they have and to be more open? Because what I see is that it isn't only the United States, that it's many other governments that have chosen not to talk about this and ones that aren't receiving aid packages that are of a robust nature from the United States. So what is your take on that? Yeah, I, I think that's really important. I think that's like really helpful to, to the, to like, to, for people in the West to like understand too. And something I like to say a lot is like a Colaris, which I think is like the, the best flap or whatever, like the most amount of witness testimonies, the most documentation, like there was an active cover up and then an acknowledgement after the fact. But Brazil really should be commended because they led the way in like 2004, I think it was, when uh, AJ Gavard did his whole, uh, he did a push basically like a, he was lobbying their government to release information and they did. So um, there's already this kind of like, like, I like to say uh, like anyone in the government who's watching, like just look at Brazil, they already released a bunch of stuff about Colaris, which is like probably one of the more sus cases out there and the world didn't end and like their economy still work the next day and stuff like that. So and it just kind of helps to paint, like we were saying, it's like, this is a global phenomenon. Like how many of us have been sent uh, that that map where it's like only the US cases by someone we know or love right. or whatever that doesn't get it. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. But, but uh, in terms of sovereign nations, nobody is making these countries not disclose what they have or stand up on a podium and talk about it. And people point their fingers as if this country is the only one that can, and, and that's not the case. Yeah, no, totally, totally fair. Other totally agree with that. Made their decision as a sovereign nation not to, for whatever that reason is. I'm not going to presume what it is. Yeah, but then also too, like the Brazil thing that's happening, and I think I read recently, like Peru and Chile were. I think they've both been kind of like historically more open with this stuff, because a lot of the times too, it's like a lot of the times it's just like, yeah, our pilot saw something and they didn't know what it was. So it's like, a lot, I feel like a lot of these countries, like you were saying, probably might not have crash retrieval programs, you know, so they maybe could be a little more forthright with things, but, uh, but they're not. <laughs> yeah, they're not. <laughs> but they're well, not. it could be that Jim Simivan thing, right? Tell your friend, tell your enemy. Um, so there's, yeah. there's a bit of a, a standoff with the superpowers here that they don't want to reveal what they know. 
the yeah. uh, lesser powers are, you know, beholden in some ways to the superpowers. So they're also, you know, kind of waiting a little bit or their hands are tied to some degree. But the other thing I think, it, talking about Brazil, some of these other countries, you know, they have a, a sort of a very different cultural perspective on the nature of reality. And so that's a little bit more elastic than we have here in the West. They may be much more comfortable with kind of the conclusions that, that tend to come out of exposure of this type of thing. And how much of that do you think is tied into this generally? So put differently, do you think that the sort of perspective of the world, our, our metaphysical models of, of human society, like kind of have to get to a certain place where we can appropriately understand this and, and responsibly understand it. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And uh, yeah, I totally agree. Um, uh, and it kind of ties into my current video that I'm working on. It's like the end of Blue Book and it talks about science. And I talk about um, the American Association for the Advancement of Science, which is like this kind of big, um, it's not an official part of the government, but it might as well be kind of, I would say, uh, this organization of scientists. And they have all these different subcommittees and subgroups and whatever. And they they publish science, the journal and stuff like that. So they have a say on like what is and isn't considered pseudoscience. And uh, in like 1969, they basically had their say on the UFO issue, right? So, and that's kind of like affected science um, the whole time through uh, in their journal, which is like one of the most respected journals in the world. Um, they like would rarely publish articles about UFOs and stuff like that. So there has just been, there's been, there's been this real big like materialistic worldview put in place by the powers that be in the West over the past like half century. And I think what's important too to remember is like, it wasn't always like that. Like people used to be like pretty woo woo, you know, even in America, like, you know, in the twenties and stuff like that. And not saying we have to go like to that kind of like Aleister Crowley kind of worldview or anything, but just kind of like <laughs> look beyond this or no, maybe it ends up, maybe it ends up there, but uh, look beyond this like strict materialistic view we've had. And uh, yeah. And I agree with what you're saying too. Like, I feel like, I feel like the, uh, the person in the Amazon who like is a Brazilian citizen is going to be more comfortable and okay with like any kind of disclosure than like the academic in some Western university who has like spent their whole life, like with this mind frame of like, this isn't even possible, you know? So. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, I want to say amen to that because <laughs> I've been saying <laughs> the same thing for a while. Cause like, you know, yeah. there's a lot of cultures that are all about this and have are like, you guys are slow to catch up. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, I just, their, um, their governments aren't though. That's the thing. Their governments yes. aren't doing, they're doing the same thing. Ours is. Yeah. Actually a lot of them hand the stuff over to our government apparently. So that's what I've been following. A lot of that happens, but um, partly because we had NASA, by the way. Um, so I just wanted to ask about something that it's like the elephant in the room you're doing a project with this guy down below my <laughs> avatar. Oh, um, oh yeah, it was Tupacabra. Yeah, I would like to hear a little bit about that project because um, I know you tend to be neutral in your presentation and um, it's it feels like a turn for you to go ahead and cover this memo. So could you tell us more? To be honest, uh, we kind of recently started talking about it. So... Uh... I don't know too much details about it, but I know we're just going to kind of like present some of the information about it. And um, I do think it's like an interesting piece of like UFO history, whether it's true or not, especially since it's been mentioned in the congressional hearing that we had by Gallagher. And we're talking about the Wilson memo. Um, yeah. 
and yeah, just it gets talked about all the time. So it's probably good that uh, Chupa like makes like a nice video, just kind of like explaining what it is or um, why there's all this like emotion around it. I guess like what Richard Dolan said, it's like the biggest leak of all time, and Grant, it's Grant huge. Cameron, yeah, Grant Cameron, and then you have people like um, who Black Vault says it's just like a movie script or whatever. So it's, uh, it, it's just not a, an important piece of history. It is. It is. Um, you know, Red does a, a great work. We, that's what we're talking about. I mean, and it's so in its own vein and it's so thorough. Um, and that's what's amazing about it. Uh, you know, diving into the project, found out that we were working on, you know, we're looking into it at the same time. And so the idea is to find crossover. And one of the things that people don't really do in this field, I think, is collaborate. And I almost think that's a little too uh, echoey of the actual secrecy itself. You know what I mean? No one's collaborating. And so the idea is to get people, you know, on board and we don't want to create anything that has already been made. You know, the Wilson Davis memo, people are going into the minutiae. Um, it was suggested, right, by some people that it's, it reads like a script. And the idea is to like, okay, well, how, how so? And can it be boiled down into a story? Because, you know, story is how the, the regular person is going to walk away with this information uh, embedded in their mind. It's not going to be through like every four beats you have to google what all these acronyms mean and who all these people are it's not a progress it's not a way you know an efficient way to like lock this information down and tell the story itself so the idea was just to grab the memo use it as the crux of a story find the relevant information and and and, and see if that really helps solidify this into the culture and when they want to deep dive they can go into red's show they can go into um loose threads they can go into all the other stuff that's really diving into all the detail but for everyone who just wants to really be brought up on it and be in that car and figure out the timeline they're talking about, that's what we're making. Uh, and, and that's the idea is like, what it, cause you know, I read it, I couldn't figure out every, it was bad. There was like timeline jumping. It was almost like Pulp Fiction. If it was a <laughs> screenplay, it was kind of a rough one, right? And so we just wanted to figure out how it could be like laid out. And um, yeah, that's what, uh, that's what I've been working on. And like I said, I was using um, all different types of ways to create art for it and to get this kind of narrative down, uh, being able to just do it right off the computer. And what Eric Davis pick are you going to use, bro? Good question. <laughs> Good question. Um, Dude, I just want to say, Nate, first of all, I want to be in the car. I want to know if there's like the little pine tree air freshener hanging from the, the rearview mirror. Uh, like for me, I would want to know that. Uh, Nathan is available as a voiceover personality. And if you'd like to email his management, it's DJ San Marco <laughs> at Gmail. And, and his agent would be happy to speak with you about his services. Definitely for Heineck cameos. Yeah. Anytime, Absolutely. Man. Let me know. <laughs> Hit me up. Hit me up for Heineck. <laughs> but yeah, it is next. an interesting piece of history. It's almost like MJ12 where it's like whether or not MJ12 is even real, like it's still an interesting piece of history that people should know about. Like they should hear both sides of why people think it's real or not or what led to this being like put out as disinfo or whatever. So either way, it's an interesting piece of a UFO history, the Wilson Davis memo. And what's Absolutely. he talking about? No one collabs. Cab is always collabing with people. What's this man <laughs> talking about, Nathan? Uh, we, we do collab. We love collabs. Yeah. Uh, collabing right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Collab, yeah. Cab collabs. Uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot of room for beautiful art in this Louvre over here. We call you, them UFO. You can't uh, spell collab without CAB. That's what I'm That's saying. True. Uh, just dropping some knowledge right there. Um, well, I mean, you, I, I want to come back to something you just said uh, about the content creation. Tuba, you touched on this earlier, too. So I'd love to get your thoughts on this as well. So we have uh, we're drowning in content. 
right? Uh, and and that, that's not, I'm not talking about just this topic. I'm talking about like in our society, we are drowning in information. And so we have uh, a lot of things at our disposal that help us to craft our own, you know, curated narrative picture of the world. Consensus reality is becoming more and more difficult to maintain. How important is that? Like, do you think it's 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 good for human society that we have a certain degree of consensus reality? Do you think it's good that we, uh, you know, shift the pendulum in the other direction and have a hyper individuated sense of reality? And, and what role does the content kind of creator play? What responsibility do we have in that dynamic? Um, yeah, I, I think the content creator has like a big role in that. And I, I do think like what you're saying is like very relevant, right? Like, uh, and my theory that I say all the time is like, it's smartphones. Like a lot of the problems we're dealing with is people learning how to live with smartphones, but then also like some of the, like the information sharing and stuff like that. It's like, what I say is like a, a smartphone. If you would have went back like a hundred years ago and told like a one person, like you have the ability to talk to everyone in the world at once or you have the ability to look up all of human knowledge at once, you know, that person would have been like a superpower, it would have been a god. And we just kind of got them overnight with, um, without really like any like discussion or acknowledgement of that. And then you have to also factor in like the millions of dollars like spent like researching how to get you like addicted to your own like individual reality, right? Because they want you on their apps or whatever as long as possible. So like, yeah, all these kind of forces together is kind of like leading to our fractured world, I feel like. And these like fractured realities and yuck. And it's it's difficult too, right? Because it's like, how can we have consensus reality or like on a subject like this, right? Like UFOs where there's been so much disinfo and like active cover-ups over the years. Like, are we supposed to go now trust like the State Department fact checkers on UFO stuff? Like as this stuff comes out. So I don't really know. And honestly, like that kind of ties into uh, there's been this whole big like anti-conspiracy theory kind of push I felt in like the media and stuff like that. And that's one thing that does make me worry about the whole UFO subject, because I don't know how they're going to, like, juggle both narratives right now, because it seems like right now, like, their biggest concern in the world is, like, conspiracy theorists and, like, if you didn't get the fact check right or whatever like that. I don't I don't see them also in the same step being like, OK, we lied about UFOs, but maybe they will. I I, I'm going to pass this to Tupa Kaldura to answer, but I also want to say that there is a certain amount of shared reality that's necessary that if everybody has their own truth or their own reality, then you can't really have a society in that way. Uh, and we've seen it, you know, now with just a fracturing of approximately 50%. And what that's led to is that we can't agree on basic facts uh, because it, it's now been all drawn into politics and whatever cable news network is associated with that political point of view. And so that there are two different realities and, so what if that were to fracture even further and become like four different realities? Um, there are certain, you know, there's individualism is obviously necessary. You don't want group thought, uh, but there is a, you know, I like to say life is shades of gray. The UFO topic and its associated intelligences are shades of gray. All of everything is basically, and, I, and when I say everything, I shouldn't even say that word. Most things are shades of gray. But if I say every, all, always, never, then you'll be able to find an example where that's not true. So life in, essentially is shades of gray. So should be this topic, in my opinion. Tupo, what say you? Yeah, there's definitely a grayness to it. You know, I agree with what you're saying, though. I think 
society in and of itself is a consensus reality. And not to get too meta, but I mean, it is what it is, you know, you function within that consensus. And so it really does take, you know, traditionally, I believe, you know, artists to stretch out that reality for people to take those risks so that other people can kind of follow. And just like water flows down, you know, in certain directions, the path of least resistance, I think good ideas and, and things are like that. And so, you know, we, we paved the way as content creators for, for not just for like thought, but for, you know, risks that can be taken. And so as artists and, and true art take, takes those risks, people can argue that all the time, right? Like true art is, is a, uh, exploration outside of the boundary of that consensus reality. So it's needed. It's absolutely necessary. And and what's interesting is that, you know, there's these movements within cultures, you know, that happen from tiny ideas that, that really come from a boiling down of all the, all the issues happening of that era, you know, and then suddenly a, a solution can kind of come out of it. And it really feels like we're bottlenecking ourselves into this, uh, into looking, we need an answer, you know? And I think through getting everyone's focus onto this topic and looking at how this art is, is, is pushing the boundaries and allowing people to talk about this stuff, you know, I think that uh, we're gonna start to get out of that bottleneck one way or another. And, you know, I think in that moment too, most people, we don't know where to look for those answers. And so we're really interested in this UFO report, you know, as a, just naturally, cause that's gonna tell us what those boundaries are that we can stay within and still be reasonable at the water cooler, right? Before we get, before we like go a little bit further out. Um, but that's also the job of, of artists. And I hope people remember that. It's not just the job of the government because that's a power structure, right? If the, if what they're, what, if what is on the other side of this threshold is a different type of power structure or structure in of itself, you know, the discovery, the embracement, if that's a word, <laughs> you know, embracing of that of that structure might might uh, nullify some of the government's power and reach, and so the people who have these answers might be like, okay, well, we can't tell them this because that could push, you know, that's going to open the doors beyond what we can really be there for, and so naturally, just just as natural as a society is its own um, consensus reality, it also has its own immune system from change, and so we have to kind of be aware of that as we push. This is you know, this is boundaries. This is the boundary. So, I think the biggest thing that causes problems at the water cooler is when they have those little cones, and you can't even take that cup back to your your desk, Sam. Right? Like you're like right. you're getting like a shot glass full of water. I think that causes a lot of people. It's dehydration, and then it just explodes from there. Um, before we get in, we're going to get into last questions here, and uh, before Cabby goodbyes, but I'm going to break press in here. I'm going to ask Nathan. Uh, a question uh and then you know he, it'll pass to Debs and we can go whatever but Nathan so uh we spoke a little bit of earlier in the week uh about um basically that the spectrum of intelligences if you will and it's basically as a in response to uh our dear friend your really dear friend Darren Exoacademian um maybe the how do I say it uh, maybe the opening of your aperture, maybe just the refining of your hypotheses. Where, where are you at on this? What kind of, what are we looking at in terms of intelligences in, in your estimation, uh, in terms of positive, uh, indifferent, negative, uh, malevolent, benevolent, uh, indifferent, where do you think 
What do you think we're looking at based on everything that you've learned? Yeah, Oof, that's a big one. Um, well, I, and I'd love to get other thoughts on this too from the, from sure. the panel too. So um, I think that, um, so my perspective on this is that the the universe is full of intelligence and intelligence, j just like human intelligence, there's a spectrum of, of behavior uh, and awareness and um, concern. And as, uh, you know, intelligence tends to be like there there are those beings that like some human beings they have a wider sense of concern they're, they're concerned about all of humanity there are some human beings who have zero concern for humanity and and barely any concern for themselves um and so i think that that same principle holds true for the different kinds of intelligences that exist just period uh you know so that means that if there are other entities out there uh, that are not human uh, that some of them have greater concern, uh, not, not just for all of humanity, but all of other, other intelligences as well. Um, and then there are some entities that have a very narrow sense of concern, but, but may have more, uh, from our perspective, more power, more ability to manipulate our, our experience of reality than we have. So, you know, think of giving, think of giving the kind of power that we attribute to these others to an underdeveloped human being who is is uh, breaking things and uh, mischievous and you know like that would be a very bad situation. But I think that, that that's what we see in some of these situations. Like if you look at a lot of these encounter experiences, some of these experiences are not are not good. You know, they, they, they're entities that do some pretty bad things. And I think that that just speaks to the you know the complex nature of of reality itself. And then stepping back from all of that, right? We're we're all, all of us. Those beings are you know, human beings. We're all on the same journey, of 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 um, conscious Existence. development, you know, yeah. right? So, uh, and that and that's where I would point to things like NDE experiences. You know, when people have an NDE and they come back and they talk about things like a life review or, you know, being able to kind of know all. They just know all things, and they can't articulate it, but they just know any answer to any question that they can think of in that, in that moment of the NDE, they, they know the answer to that. So there's a kind of cosmic presence to it. Wow. Um, so I think that that becomes like a teaching environment, you know, the, the life review and, and the ability to kind of shift perspective into different intelligent beings, like all of that gives you the ability to learn and, and grow and assess and evaluate the, the things that you have done and, what direction do you then go? You know, do you, do you have a more narrow sense of concern or do you have a broader sense of concern? So, I mean, there's a whole lot I could get into with that, like just kind of further like levels of that or expansions of that. But I think that that's a, a just a broad, you know, view of it. Um, but I also, as you know, like my metaphysical perspective is that consciousness is fundamental. Like I'm not a materialist. I'm an, I'm an idealist. So, uh, consciousness, you know, matter comes from consciousness, from mentation. So, but I don't know, Panda, I would love to hear uh, yeah, what your perspective gonna, on that and, go. and Sam yeah. and everybody Let's else. Let's pinball Panda, Deb, uh, Tupa, and then we'll yeah, talk Yeah, sounds Glass. good. So, like, what was the general question so, again? So the, the general question is, in terms of uh, what we're looking at, in terms of these intelligences, uh, you have people that are in the camp of, uh, it's a very, very benevolent 
and that's due to their own experiences. So it's it's fine that that's the lens that they view the uh, the the phenomenon from. And others like uh, Whitley Strieber and others, uh, it, it's not so it's it's not so benevolent. It's more malevolent. Um, and then there's some that it's more indifference and just study. So what do you think we're looking at in terms of intelligences okay. that are that are out there that that in your estimation? Uh, and I, I agree with Nathan. I would say like it seems like there's like a wide array of different things that people are seeing, and some of them seem to be like indifferent, and then some of them do seem to be kind of like uh, more negative experiences that people have. Um, but then also kind of like what Nathan was saying too. I kind of think about it too. It's like uh, like am I allowed to get mad at like let's say hypothetically like members of my species are frequently getting abducted and um messed with or taken away forever when i like eat cows all the time and we know how sentient they are and they have emotions and whatnot so i feel like kind of like learning about that whole kind of aspect kind of like just like humbles me i guess in a way as like a human or whatever like maybe i'll do it to like all of humanity once we all kind of like acknowledge it but um uh like i said the Kolaris flap is like the biggest is one of the best documented flaps in my opinion and that was a lot of negative interactions and people were like hurt and had radiation burns and stuff like that so uh yeah i guess my 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 answer is just like it's all over the place some of it is negative but also humans can be negative to our world so mm-hmm. it's all on par with just what already is i guess i don't know Debs. i think it's really interesting that the same thing goes through my mind often you know that humans do just terrible things to each other all the time a lot of kidnappings a lot of like even human i hate to say this but human mutilations right humans do that to each other and then you just add the word well non-human intelligence or something like that nhi and then people are like oh my god (laughs) right they're so surprised you know but we're not setting a good example (laughs) you know we do these things to ourselves so that if they come here, in my opinion, it could be for a number of reasons with a number of agendas. There's an, probably a number of different entities involved. And um, I tend to think that some of them are here for just exploration, right? And they're just picking up samples and might not even care <laughs> that we're here. Um, but I think we're just kind of all over the place. But I just I can't get over how people are so shocked whenever it's NHI and then they don't look to what we do. Like I've, I've pointed this out to people before, like look at Jack the Ripper, look at the serial killers yeah. we've had. We cannot, we cannot condemn without condemning ourselves first. I just, we need to correct what we do before we <laughs> sit around going, Oh my God, I can't believe they shot that beam of light. <laughs> well, Some of them might just want to know what kind of hair care products RPK uses. Oh, I not saying that I'm one of those people, but I could be. Uh, Sam, uh, in terms of these intelligences, uh, you have, I'll tell you what, you have listened to more people than anybody on this panel, uh, literally. <laughs> um, he, he has. I mean, he's had, and the way that he uh, Sam does the space is that even people with an opinion that has almost no basis and perhaps not even a logical train of thought Sam gives them space to speak, which speaks to his greatness. What what say you on on this this topic? What do you think we're looking at? Uh, I got to go with my gut on this, and I think it's important that we all do that for ourselves. You know, like at a certain point, this is interpretational. 
I can't escape that. And listening to so many different people, being able to sum that up and, and say, okay, well, now I can kind of use my intuition to navigate known territory. And, and I have listened to a lot of, a lot of people. <laughs> I've heard, listened to a lot of stories. And I got to say, like, as a film student, storyteller, you know, I understand the structure of story and I understand how true it is to like life. So story is like the first thing that uh, humans discovered that allowed us to, to transfer memory and information generationally, right? Just through the, the, the technology of language. And so, you know, it's this like software that was developed with the hardware of language. And now it, it's some code is in there where we, we commit it to memory it's through oral history, through written history, you know, we know that a lot of our religious tales are retellings of other tales, right? We know that, you know, even let's take holidays, you know, we know that these are placeholders for older pagan seasonal, you right. know, astrological, right? Astronomical, like all these things, right? So these, these are just, mm -hmm. yeah, it's reinterpretations of old symbology and ideograms. And I think we are, one of the things I can see is that it appears that a we're being influenced a lot and there's a lot of interest on human beings, which would tell me that like who would really be so interested in us? And uh, the answer to me is we, we would be. We're pretty, we're pretty self-centered. Self so like maybe a future self or a higher self could be wanting to engage with us. And, you know, when we really humble ourselves um, in the word, in the ideas of dimensions and say like, well, what is, you know, what is a fourth dimensional being outside of time? What would it look like? What would a human being look like outside of time? And, I look at it as a as a script, like as a story. That's what a person would look like. You're 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 remembered by your story, and those stories can be good and they can be bad, but they can you know they could be anywhere in between. Like not everybody's a hero, but look at our entertainment is a hundred percent centered around the hero's journey, right? These modern myths, and I I think that this phenomenon, whatever it is, seems to be a a highway or a, a you know between the storyteller and yourself so sometimes you can become you can be in areas or around certain things that amplify that connection where the narrator or the the storyteller can have a lot more you know power a lot more influence in in your surroundings or yourself to get you to a place and sometimes those can be really bad but stories can be like that too you know we're all challenged in our own ways like we're all different people so we interpret I... the phenomena different can I posit one thing about you, about what, what the phenomenon may see in us? There, I saw a very interesting Netflix series recently that profiled the two Mars uh, rovers that they built, um, that they expected they, and, and forgive me that I don't remember the names, they had really inspiring names, the two of them, and one of them was named, the movie was named, uh, uh, this documentary, after a nickname of one of those two rovers, that they landed on different uh, parts of Mars. And they had a 90, 90 soul or 90 day, if you will, lifespan. And they said anything past 90 days is gravy. One of them lasted 15 years. And the reason I tell you that is that the people that worked at the JPL in uh, California uh, had a connection with this mechanical, electromechanical uh, robot, if you will, where they lived, they cried, they emoted, 
over the trials and tribulations and mechanical struggles and failures of components and then the eventual, if you will, death of this um, machine that couldn't feel, that didn't have the emotion to love them back. It's ability to continue operating they saw as an expression of love of perseverance so if a not to go any further on that i think you get the idea of what i'm talking about here if i were a phenomenon that was watching earth and watching how humans uh, are interacting with something that looks very very similar at least in its intent and its con its object and its construction as one of their grays that's not sentient very similar and the feeling that humans had for it i could see why they would want to have that biology sam that could create something like that they may not be able and nathan's so forgive nathan and deb have heard uh different versions of this refrain but this was just another example of it that perhaps they marvel at that. I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe. Sam? I mean, it could be a product. Our emotion and, and our dedication and feelings towards things might be rooted in our experience within time. You know, being in the moment, you know, not being able to know the future. We, we experience the stuff we can recall the past. That 100% affects how we experience the world. That could be a product of our placement here. And if you're a being with more intelligence or more awareness, we'll just put it that way, of time or space, then you might not be able to experience those fleeting moments and that dedication or that focus. And so um, it the could love. be, yeah, the love. Because maybe love comes from the fear of loss, you know, in some way or another, it's a complement of the stuff. And so, you know, being able to, or being not able, but being outside of that, just by nature of uh, awareness or being highly evolved or something, uh, then that could be, you know, kind of you could you could want to do it it could be like a weird experience it, or it could be is not a novelty like playing gta who knows we're just we're, we're just talking but yeah it's an interesting I idea mean, i prefer the one where you're racing rather than grand that's okay anyway um nathan <laughs> all right so let's go with uh sam since we're with you let's go with cabbie goodbyes uh something we do at the end of every show and say thank you to our guest uh red panda koala and also, before we close, Sam, we'll definitely give you an opportunity to to talk about everything you're doing as well as Red. Yeah, I'll go, I'll cool. go first. Or, sorry, go ahead. I, yeah, first. Oh, wait, sorry. Time. No, I didn't know. What, you go. No, it's all good. It's uh, I wanted to thank you for coming on and spending time with us. Uh, it's, it's been a real pleasure. Hope we get a chance to talk with you again. I, I'm a huge fan of your work. Um, I really appreciate your not only your kind of cool-headed intellectual approach to the topic but the way that you conduct yourself like in the community that, that that says a lot to me about who you are um so i really appreciate that i think it takes uh creative people like you and sam and others to to lend their voices to what's happening and while we aren't going to come up with any easy answers i think it's a it's a worthwhile journey to be on together and you make that journey much more enjoyable uh and i, I salute you for that so thanks and um I would love to hear, you know, what's kind of coming down the pipeline from you. You know, you said you've got a project that's almost uh, wrapped up, and I'm sure there's some other things that are in the hopper too. Cool. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, big fan of your show, and I uh, like what you were saying too, Nathan. I appreciate the 
how you guys conduct yourself in this field, you know, there's plenty of like personalities in this field that sometimes can get like heated and stuff. So I appreciate you guys always being like nice and like positive and respectful and stuff like that. Uh, and then future, future things. So yeah, right now I'm about to finish my um, video. It's called uh, Science and UFOs. It's the like end of the Blue Book era. So where my last video dropped off, it was like right after the 66 wave. So we're going to pick up from there and cover the congressional hearings, the Conan Committee, uh, the American Association for the Advancement of Science and their role they played on how this topic was deemed pseudoscience in the American scientific community. Um, and then after that, what do I have? We got the one with Tupa working on that. And then um, what do I want to do after that? Uh, probably just going to do like another news recap. Hopefully by then the uh, report will be out. And then, and then from there, I don't know. I have like, I honestly have like over a hundred videos of like stuff I'm filing away, like wow. for future videos or files for future videos. So I don't know. I kind of want to do, Oh no, I actually do know what I'm doing. with. I'm working on one with like, um, one of my, uh, cause I don't know if you guys know, I'm a mod of r slash UFOs, although I really don't do anything. Um, one of the mods there, he, he knows a lot about like kind of the history of like the hacking stuff, like Gary McKinnon, but then some of the, the ones before that are a little more like low key. So I thought that would be fun. Cause like my past recent ones have been, um, very focused on like the blue book era and like the fifties, sixties and forties. So I want to do like a nineties one. Uh, I already kind of made a little intro for it and it's like super like nineties, like hacker vibes it's kind of like over the top hacker keyboard situation yeah and, uh that sounds amazing oh before one more thing too uh what's it like working with sam and you can just be honest with us i mean he's not li listening right now so no uh i love tuba tuba's tuba's a great guy uh in his spaces he's always like nice to people and stuff like that it's cool to like we're in a few like uh different little group chats together and stuff like that like his uh his takes and stuff like that he's a he's a, another person it's like oh, i'm glad i'm glad this person's in the community um, and just a source of like wanting to learn and knowledge and being compassionate to people, stuff like that. So yeah, yeah he's a great. Yeah. Amen to that. Sam, thanks for joining us uh, this evening. Uh, echo everything that uh, Red just said about you. Really appreciate the, what you're doing and uh, I can't wait to meet you this weekend. Oh, we're going to have fun. We're going to mm -hmm. have fun. And thank you, Red. I appreciate those, those words. And uh, yeah. Um, I got some stuff. I guess New York is coming up on Saturday. We're going to be mm -hmm. at the event. We get to hear Mellon talking in, in person along with Leslie Keen and uh, many others. So it's going to be really exciting. You should ask him. I think his grandpa or something was like a, like had some kind of like mystic psychic powers. You should ask him about that. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll bring that up right away. That'll be my, <laughs> right that'll be my first question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to get to that. Very casually. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, uh, Chris. Um, and Debs, cabby goodbyes. Um, so first of all, I wanted to say thank you so much, Red Panda, for what you do. Your videos are more than research, actually. I was thinking about this while you were talking. I, th I think you're one of our more sincere historians, so you should get kudos for that. You're our UFO historian of choice when it comes to YouTube videos, I think, I, or for me at least. Um, I really think you find things, that little gems that um, other people have missed. And I mean, some of those things I've intensely researched and then I watch your video and I'm like, how did I miss that? Mm -hmm. So, you know, keep doing what you're doing, please. We need you. Um, we need your work. And um, for Sam, I've met Sam in person. Everyone can be jealous for a minute. He oh, is awesome. He's very chill. Um, he's one of uh, one of the people who tweeted about our show today's favorite people. 
<laughs> so I'm just going to tease him when I see him Saturday about that. Um, and of course, you know, um, please continue to do what you're doing too. I agree a hundred percent on collaborations and coalitions. Wink, wink. And I think we are going in the right direction with this flap of researchers and historians. And again, amen. Um, I just got to give a shout out in the chat. Ken Bird is here from Japan. Ken is uh, one of the gentlemen who is maintaining the CV-22 simulator uh, over in Japan that I had the pleasure of uh, flying for a few days. Uh, and uh, what a great guy, Ken and um, his colleague now, Scott. I'm sorry if I'm, I'm forgetting his last name, but anyway, awesome guys. Hi, Ken. Uh, Red Panda, Koala, and Sam Tupacoblera, and I'm only saying that is because it's the holiday season and cobblers. <laughs> That's on fair. Um, That's fair. You know, one of the interesting things about you are things is like you do something – and first of all, I want to say the perspective I'm saying this from, I'm part of the Air Force family. I, like I said, I have been for 31 years. I am today. I still am part of that family and work there. And I really appreciate what you do. Uh, and we need that kind of bright light and that kind of skepticism and, and questioning of, of what, had, what has happened and what's happening. So I appreciate that. I want you to know that. Uh, what you do is so amazing it's, and, and what Sam does. Uh, in his spaces, in the patience that he has, and the way that he's able to give voice to everybody is unique amongst him and why he has staying power. And what you do, the focus and the time and the effort, everybody on this panel knows, even though we haven't done what you've done, uh, we've done research papers, we've graduated from college, we know what it takes to do what you've done. And I really just want to, you know... I want to applaud you and say thank you very much for coming and sharing time with us and being uh, and now being part of the cab family. So, yeah, thank you guys so much. It's great to, to be here. I love you guys' channel. And, yeah, part of uh, uh, my name's now on the your list of videos. Cool. No, That's I'll definitely right, be back. <laughs> and, and ain't going to be the last one. Yeah. So for <laughs> Red Panda Koala, for my brother, Sam Tupacabra, who I'm finna see this weekend, for Debs. And for the Monet man, who's artistic as hell. And Deb, by the way, every time you talk to a guest, it makes me smile. Uh, for, for all of you, <laughs> this is DJ saying peace out, peace, peace, peace. One, peace love. Out. As always, we're always wondering. We'll see you down the road because we always want to know what's up around the bend. <laughs>